Welcome to the program. I'm Jeff Sheckman. We have come to believe that politics, especially in the world of 24-7 news cycles and social media, is an outside game. Our great contemporary politicians like Bill Clinton feed off the interaction with people and are powered by attention. In a time when we can elect a reality show star as president, when celebrity politics is the lifeblood of the American political class, it's hard to imagine a politician or a world leader, for that matter, whose life is private, who keeps their own counsel, who listens first, who shuns celebrity, and yet proves very powerful as a leader. Such was Angela Merkel, who served for 16 years as Chancellor of Germany, its first and only woman chancellor, and was without question the glue that held parts of the world and certainly the Western alliance together for many years. What will history tell us about Angela Merkel, and what can we learn from this Greta Garbo of geopolitics? To find out, we have to dip into Cotty Martin's new biography of Merkel, entitled The Chancellor. Kati Martin is the New York Times best-selling author of nine previous books. She was a finalist for the National Book Critics Circle Award and an award-winning former NPR correspondent and ABC News bureau chief in Germany. It is my pleasure to welcome Kati Martin back to this program to talk about The Chancellor, the remarkable odyssey of Angela Merkel. Kati, thanks so much for joining us. Well, it's such a pleasure to be back with you, and and uh, thanks for thanks for having me. I love your show, and I love um, the region from where you operate. <laughs> well, it's a delight to have you here. When you start, when you took on this project, when you decided you were going to spend all this time with Angela Merkel and and learning about her, talk a little bit about what surprised you the most, because the thing that is, is so striking, and certainly we'll talk about her specifically, is just how out of context in many ways she is from contemporary politics, and yet she was very contemporary. Wow. Well, first of all, let me just say that that was the most eloquent introduction to the chancellor that I've that I've had in the in the weeks that I've been promoting it. So thank you for that. You really set it up brilliantly. And I love you comparing her to Greta Garbo because uh, because I hadn't thought of that, frankly. And, and it's so apt. I mean, her ferocious privacy her I want to be left alone uh, 16 years as the most powerful woman in the world um, makes her uh, really, really a unique uh, character for our time. And even though she she has recently left the chancellery, um, she and has now entered history, um, she leaves such important lessons really for all of us. Let me just say that, first of all, for women, um, because um, she is the most powerful woman since, well, maybe Catherine the Great, one of her role models, the Russian Empress, or uh, or Elizabeth the First. Um, and but but not only for women, for for all politicians, I would really urge them to read this book as sort of a uh, a manual for how to get and keep power. And uh, really, for all of us who have lost faith in um, in politics and in politicians, because because uh, Angela Merkel was all about getting the job done. She she has really now uh, introduced a new kind of politics that is ego free politics. So it's just remarkable how much uh, she got done 
and we'll talk about that, um, by not taking credit for, for doing things, by, by very quietly letting others take credit for it. So, um, I mean, there are tons of lessons. I, I, I sometimes think that, that I've written a kind of a, an update of The Prince, of Machiavelli's The Prince, maybe call it The Princess, uh, although, uh, although Merkel is anything but a princess. But in terms of, of what a canny and, and, canning and, and, and cunning uh, politician she, she has been, and, and yet uh, never, never uh, departed from her moral uh, core. Uh, as you can see, I, after five years of living inside her head, um, I, um, I, I come away, you know, usually um, uh, you, you, you come away from too much exposure to your subject with, uh, with a sense of disillusionment, uh, but not at all in this case. I come away admiring more more than uh, even at the outset, and I was I was pretty much um, an admirer when I started five years ago. Um, and the thing that that triggered my my interest in her was um, in 2015 when she opened Germany's borders to one million mostly Middle Eastern refugees from from uh, many of the wars that well um we started uh but then we we uh, we we weren't so welcoming of refugees from from uh iraq afghanistan um and 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 then ultimately syria um but but she was uniquely welcoming i say uniquely because her partners in the european union um, were busy erecting uh, walls and and uh, un- unspooling barbed wire against the the flood of migrants, but but uh, but Merkel uh, did the opposite, and and I'm happy to report that five years on, those one million Middle Eastern refugees, so coming from a culture radically different from from the um, largely. Christian, largely um, white uh, uh, German population um, have been integrated into German society. So she she's done what 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 she was told was was simply impossible, uh, which is to to assimilate uh, uh, such a such a huge number of, um, of of newcomers from 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 such different um uh, ethnicities, faiths, etc. She's done it. How much of the way she was successful comes from her and and really being sui generis to her, as a given her training as a scientist growing up in East Germany. How much of what she did and the way she did it could ever be replicated, for example, by anyone else? Well, I mean, um, you're, you're quite right. I mean, there will there will not be another uh, Merkel, um, precisely because her journey has been has been so uh, sui generis is a very good word. So so uh, uh, un, un, unmatchable, unbeatable. The combination of of uh, 35 years spent as a captive of of uh, a police state, East Germany. And um, and at the same time, being raised by a pastor, her father was a Lutheran pastor, a very austere man of extraordinary 
uh, high standards for his daughter, who never quite gained his his approval. Uh, believe it or not, Jeff, her parents never voted for her in her 16 years as chancellor, which I, I found that to be among the extraordinary. And neither neither have her siblings. So this is um, this is a pretty um, pretty tough family. Um, she, however, was was did not embark uh, as a as a politician at the outset. She was she was brilliant, always always the the first in her class. Now, now we're talking about the pre-unification um, of East and West Germany. We're talking about German, East Germany under under Moscow's thumb. Um, she chose science as as a safe field, uh, less uh, less uh, e- tougher for the for for the state to manipulate. Um, facts in science um, than, than in, um, obviously, politics, uh, humanities, uh, any, any, any of the um, more liberal arts uh, fields. Science was her sanctuary. But the minute the wall fell in 1989, she crossed from east to west Berlin, typically um, because she's an, uh, she's an extraordinarily cautious person with, by the way, the notable exception of what she did with refugees, but but uh, but we'll, I'm sure we'll revert to that subject. That was that was really out of character for her. But anyway, in 1989, she crossed from um, from east to west Berlin, dipped her toe in the west, and the next day um, she she was back in her lab in East Berlin uh, because she is simply not someone who gets carried away by even as the tectonic plates of, of history were shifting. She, she was going to take her time. That's another of, uh, she, she, she will not be rushed. She is, she is very self-possessed, I would say, and always gathers um, evidence and information and facts before she makes her move. However, when she sees an opening, she goes for it, and uh, and this has this has characterized her 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 sixteen ex- astonishing years, her her um, meteoric ascent from from she sheds her her white lab coat in 1989, and a year later, she is already in the cabinet of Chancellor Helmut Kohl. Um, as minister for for women and youth, I had I had the privilege, Jeff, of meeting her not long after that when she was minister. I, I as you mentioned, I I I had been um, the ABC correspondent in Germany during the latter years of of the Cold War, and um, and and then it, uh, by by the time she became minister, I I I was no longer. Um, uh, I was I was no longer uh, an ABC correspondent, but but I was married to the man who negotiated the end to the war in the Balkans, Richard Holbrook. And Merkel, the way she works is that she always wants to meet with people who get stuff done and learn from them. She is she is constantly learning, and even now in 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 her um, mid sixties, she uh, she has a voracious appetite. 
for for facts and information, which she then processes with her photographic memory. But at any rate, at this, at I was present at this meeting that she had asked for, because she wanted to know from from uh, Richard, my my husband, um, you know, how to negotiate. And I have to because I did observe Richard Holbrook negotiate with with the Balkan warlords, and then I was in the last few years as I was writing my book about the chancellor, I, I uh, observed her negotiations and the contrast is, is really quite interesting because Richard used, um, well, he, he had a very powerful personality and he used, he used uh, threats and charm and, um, and, uh, you know, strategic uh, thinking as well. Um, diplomacy isn't just about, you know, um, passing, passing drinks around in a fancy hotel. Um, although there's some of that, um, Merkel has a different technique. She uses this, this, um, powerful intellect, this photographic memory to always outplay the guy across the table from her. And alas, it, it has almost always been a guy and she was cursed with having some of the worst uh, demagogues in recent history as her contemporary contemporaneous leaders so we're talking about well first of all Vladimir Putin um, who uh, Putin uh, was her longest running um, I, I describe it as a dysfunctional marriage between the two of them because they know each other so well and and they um, really have a strange, uh, I would say, grudging respect for each other. Putin, you notice today in the negotiations on Ukraine, for example, Putin is not negotiating. He's sending his guys, his 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 deputy foreign minister to negotiate with with our deputy secretary of state. Well, with Merkel, Putin was always at the table because he has tremendous respect for her. And, uh, and in a way, she for him. So they stopped the last Ukrainian, or she stopped the last Ukrainian aggression of his um, in 2014. I, I, I hope our negotiators are, are studying how she did that, by the way. But sorry, I digress from your initial point because you see I get very enthusiastic <laughs> about on this subject. S- stay on this for a minute on, on her relationship with Putin because it, it really speaks in so many ways to her character because he did everything he could to try and, and get her off balance, to get under her skin, including the incident, which you can talk about with the dogs, and she, she held steady. Yes, yes. Well, this is her superpower is that she's got this iron self-control. Another thing our politicians might might copy from her example is that um, when Putin first met her, he, he gave her the, the so-called KGB test. As you know, um, he, was, he was a KGB agent in Germany um, for many years. And the KGB uh, eye-staring contest consists of who's going to blink first. Well, she did not. Um, then he tried unleashing. She, he, Putin knew that that she was afraid of dogs because she'd been bitten uh, by one, and uh, and he was told that by by Merkel's aides. So 
so what does he do? He unleashes his large black lab in their first meeting, and she just froze in place. Never, I mean, to study her expression, it, it is one of absolute self-control. And that is how, and this, this drives the, the uh, autocrat across the table. Um, let's flash forward to Donald Trump, who also tried to shake her her self-control and also failed. At, at, at one point, he tossed a couple of uh, candies that, Starburst candies that he fished out of his pocket, probably covered in lint, tossed them at her at a, at a, um, at a G7 um, uh, a conference and, uh, in, um, in, in Ottawa. And um, um, the, the, the rest of the um, uh, powerful gathering of heads of state around that table were absolutely aghast. He tossed them at, uh, Trump tosses the candies at Merkel and says, don't say I never gave you anything, Angela. And it was as if she didn't notice. And of course, nothing, nothing uh, annoys a bully more than when you don't get a reaction. And she knows that. So she's, uh, she, she's, she's well practiced in the fine art of driving um, bullies crazy. Talk about her sense of Germany and her sense of place about Germany, having grown up in the East and, and, and as it evolved, as her view of the country as it evolved over her career? Yes. Well, she has, uh, because she grew up in the East, she, she didn't learn about the Holocaust because the, um, in the East, um, the mythology of the East was that we were the good Germans, that the West was, was the, the, uh, the Nazis, and, and therefore um, never, never went through the process of assimilating the lessons from Germany's darkest history uh, under the uh, Nazis. And, and so Merkel had a lot of learning to do, but because once, once she um, uh, joined, um, once East and West were, were unified, but because she has such a hard moral core um, that goes back to her Lutheran beginnings, um, she, uh, she completely absorbed that lesson. And among her first trips was, was a trip to, to Israel where she addressed the first German chancellor to address the Knesset, the Israeli parliament. And partly she addressed them in Hebrew and, um, and said at that, uh, during that speech that, that, that the fate of Israel and the fate of the Jews is a foundational element of, uh, of Germany's uh, raison d'etre, Germany's reason for existence. And therefore, she married the two countries' fates together. And um, she is, although she, she had no success with uh, negotiating with Netanyahu, kind of gave up on him, but her, she, she frankly didn't think he was very serious about um, negotiating. But, uh, but her commitment to to uh, glo- the global Jewish um, community is, is, is total, as is her commitment that Germany will never again descend into darkness. And this, the, among her last trips as chancellor, in fact, I described this in the book, was, was a trip to, to Auschwitz, where, where she reiterates that this was a German crime and and that we Germans 
have a debt that will never be repaid. So, um, you know, she leaves she leaves so many powerful lessons for her successors. But I think that it's no coincidence, Jeff, that that Putin is now testing the West's um, willpower and ability to resist his 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 um, brinkmanship um, in in Ukraine. It's no coincidence that he's doing that. Um, you know, just weeks after Merkel's departure from from the the world stage, you know, he's he's testing us, and um, it, it's I, I frankly am worried, and I already miss her, and you know, because she she um, I mean she she didn't believe in military uh, solutions to problems. She thought that that once you resort to to um, using armies, uh, that means you've failed, and that that military conflicts have unintended consequences. But just for a second, to return to your initial question about what it was that surprised me about about her in my in my pursuit of this inscrutable uh, subject. And that is, I mean, she really isn't who we think she is because she's so private, for which I applaud her. Um, and in fact, her privacy has enabled her to, to, you know, be strong for 16 years because she didn't share every emotion. She, she doesn't do social media. So she, she preserved a whole side of herself for herself. But but she's actually um, she's not this uh, stolid, rather rather um, uh, prudish uh, person. She loves to have a good time. She loves to stay up late with a drink or two. Um, is is uh, has a killer sense of humor. Her imitation of of Putin uh, is, is 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 a great stress relief for her and for her staff. Um, and uh, she's she's very warm in in my periodic interactions with her. I always felt a sense that a she likes women. I mean, I, I, I mean, you know, as people, as which you know, you can't say about a lot of leaders. I mean, she just she surrounded herself with powerful women in her her um, administration. She made a lot of space for 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 women to rise in Germany. Uh, she made um, marriage equality the law of the land. Um, so she's by no means, um, you know, a, a prude or any of the things that we might associate with her because she doesn't open up. I mean, Germans themselves don't know anything about her personal life or virtually none. I mean, and sometimes I'm asked. Um, by Germans, the ones that knew that I was working on this book, does does the chancellor have grandchildren? I mean, can you imagine, Jeff, in our age of total exposure, not to know if your head of state has kids or grandkids? The other thing that's remarkable is to be in power for 16 years anywhere without real scandal, which, which was so much a part of, of this sense of privacy. Yes, yes. Not a single tell-all book has uh, has come out of her chancellery. 
Um, and by the way, she has the same tiny team, <laughs> consists of three or four people, um, going, uh, leaving the chancellery as she did going out. When Obama went to say goodbye to, to Merkel as he was leaving the White House in 2016, uh, he looked around uh, and, and, uh, and her office and, and said, wow, you guys still all here? Because it was the same same team that he first met eight years before. So, I mean, contrast that with, you know, our the revolving door of the White House where you, you know, and to say nothing of, of all the, the tell-all books that, that have poured forth from the, from the Trump years. Um, so not a, not a breath of scandal. You know, she doesn't care about accumulating stuff. She, she thinks that that's an, um, that just weighs you down. She likes to travel light. And, and she lives in the same rent control apartment now in the heart of Berlin, actually the eastern part of Berlin, um, that, uh, that she has for mm, 25 years. She's got, she's got a very modest little, little cottage in, in the woods of Brandenburg. Uh, which is where she's spending time now decompressing. Um, and uh, so, so, you know, there's no way to bribe or, or um, you know, I, I can't picture Angela Merkel on, on a yacht, frankly, <laughs> or, or, or hanging out with, uh, you know, greasy billionaires. That's just not her. That's just not her scene. She likes to hang out with with writers and actors and musicians and and creative people. She finds politicians um, who endlessly repeat themselves. That's a quote from her. Um, rather, rather dull company. Is there something that she would have liked to have accomplished in her 16 years as chancellor that she wasn't able to do? Absolutely. Yes. She announced uh, uh, two years ago in her annual uh, speech to the nation that she would devote herself to uh, to climate change. As you know, as a scientist, she really does take uh, the threat to uh, to our climate um, very seriously, and um, and that was going to be how how she would end her her uh, her, her, her her reign, if I can call it that, um, because because uh, until then. Uh, this is we're talking about 2019 um, until then from 2005, when she first went to the chancellery, when she first became chancellor to, to 2019, she really it had been one rolling crisis. So she was a terrific crisis manager. I mean, the the um, Eurozone meltdown, the um, the the migration crisis, the um, the the uh, Brexit and then four years of Trump. I mean, it was just you know, she never she never uh, uh, paused to breathe. But uh, the last two years were going to be climate change. And then six weeks later, after this speech came COVID. And so for the final two years of her term, she again became a crisis manager, COVID, COVID being her final crisis. So that I, I, I if I can make a prediction, it would be that when when she emerges from a well-deserved break, um, I think that that we will hear from from Merkel um, on the subject of uh, of the urgent need for uh, for for us to take climate 
seriously starting now. In fact, it should have started uh, quite a while ago. But uh, but that would be um, that would be my my best guess. She won't she won't take another job. There's no I mean, what sort of a job can can top or match um, being chancellor of of Europe's powerhouse, Germany. Uh, but I, I think we will be hearing from her on on climate and, and likely also on um, on women's empowerment in in um, in countries where they're not yet uh, empowered, namely um, Africa. I know she cares a great deal about that. How did she know that it was time to step aside? Ah, well, um, it, by the way, it's a historic first um, for a German chancellor to leave voluntarily right. not to and not to be driven out um but again she's she's a very shrewd and very calm operator and uh and she said years ago i i quote her in the book as saying i'm going to leave before i'm a political wreck and and while i can still have another life um and actually she was planning on leaving in 2016 and um um, at 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 their at, at her final meeting with Obama, the, the one I already referred to when he came to say goodbye, it was a very emotional um, dinner that that just the two of them that I describe in in, in uh, quite a bit of detail. Um, he uh, so so Trump had just been elected, and and that blew up her plans to leave because and Obama really came down hard in in arguing with her against leaving you cannot they had by now become uh quite quite uh, i would say uh good friends in fact obama's aide um, ben rhodes characterized it to me as um as love between the two of them um particularly on on obama's side he 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 really um she, she merkel was the, the head of state that he most uh, admired and emulated, but at any rate, um, she stayed on because of Trump because because uh, she was so worried about what would happen to the Western alliance left to um, to Trump with with um, with Putin making making um, mischief from from Moscow and um, which he of course continued to do and played played Trump like a violin. Um, and um, and and all the other and all the other um, demagogues rising in the in in, in the world, um, you know, notably uh, Xi Jinping in in uh, in China. She made more trips to China than any other head of state, by the way. Um, so so she stayed on for four years longer than she than she anticipated and um and now she feels that she's leaving germany in a very strong position trump has been defeated uh putin of course outlived her uh still in power with no plans to leave and the other thing is that that um okay so yes biden won and um but but Merkel is uh, is a huge admirer of America. She she credits her second chance um, to America. Second chance being um, as a as a free person after after the fall of uh, of, of communism. Um, she 
is very worried now about um, America's uh, future and about its ability to to lead the West um, because Trump may be gone, but Trumpism lives on. And she's followed very carefully um, the events of January 6th and was horrified by that. Um, she, um, she's had a hard time kind of, um, reconciling, uh, what happened, uh, um, on January 6th with her vision of America as this beacon of, of, uh, rule of law and human rights, et cetera. Talk a little bit about, before we wrap up, her sense of America, her sense of the country, a country that could elect Barack Obama followed by Donald Trump. What did she think of that? Yeah. Well, it's it's uh, it's been shattering for her. Um, she uh, she gave a powerful speech uh, at Harvard. Um, she was the commencement speaker um, year and a half, two years ago now, and uh, and she talked about uh, she gave the sort of speech she would not give in Germany because in Germany she she um, she never opens up about her own history. Um, uh, in the East, um, uh, but but this was an emotional speech, and and she she talked about what America um, stands for, and and how it's very important for the. Um, she was addressing the graduates, um, the youth of today, to to reclaim that responsibility to um, to lead from from a place of tolerance and openness to immigrants, and I mean it was so ironic. For me to observe this, you know, the head of, uh, of the former Third Reich lecturing in a gentle tone, but nevertheless, the message was shape up America. Um, so kind of a, a role reversal. She loves America. She loves uh, the West. She loves the California coast. That was her first trip when once the wall came down, she and her husband um, her husband is, is also a scientist, and they they went to um, um, they, they 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 their their destination was was San Diego, um, but they drove along the the Pacific Coast, and she was just blown away by the beauty of uh, of, of, of nature, and 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 for her seeing the Pacific Ocean for the first time was was a breathtaking experience. So she loves America. She loves our history in her office. She had a, uh, a picture of, uh, of Bush the elder um, at, uh, standing beside the wall and of Ronald Reagan, whom she met um, on, on her first trip to, um, to the United States as a young minister. And, you know, these were the heroes of the Cold War for her. Finally, talk a little bit about what, she, what you think she would most like to be remembered for. Uh, well, you know, I tried to um, pry out of um, <laughs> out of her uh, via her aides because she does not sit down for um, you know full interviews with anybody um, because um, you know that would that would be a betrayal of her sense of. Uh, of privacy, her need for privacy. Um, she she will talk about specific policies, but not this book. My book is not about that. My book was an attempt to to get beneath the surface, to get the human story, which I think is so interesting. 
but um, she she would like um, I think to be remembered for for um, her her generous refugee policy, which has been a, a success as a template for others to follow. Um, so the next time there's a wave of uh, which there inevitably be, particularly with with um, climate wreaking havoc and so many places, there will be another migration wave, and, and she has left us a template for how to deal with that. So I think that would be number one. I think um, keeping the West more or less unified under under the um, onslaught of, of Donald Trump in combination with Putin, um, keeping... Um, well, uh, opening up, opening up much more uh, space for women. Those are significant things. But finally, I think the and most importantly, it's uh, it's transforming Germany. Really, she would never say this because she's far too modest. She's got a, a robust ego, but but she doesn't believe in self promotion. I would say transforming Germany from being the economic powerhouse of Europe to becoming the moral center of the world, which is an enormous transformation when you think about it. Kati Martin, the book is The Chancellor, The Remarkable Odyssey of Angela Merkel. Kati, I thank you so much for spending time with us. Oh, thank you so much, Jeff. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure. And, and stay, be careful and stay <laughs> healthy. You and and all all your listeners and you and you as Thanks well. Thank you. Me.